Welcome to the Beginner Photography Podcast. As always, I am Raymond Hatfield. And I'm Callum Pinkney. And I am an Indianapolis wedding photographer. And I am a Toronto-based wedding photographer. And we are here to talk about beginning a photography business or photography tips. And that is my son, Charlie. Hey, Raymond here from the Beginner Photography Podcast, and you are listening to the very first episode of the podcast. And as you can tell, that back in 2016, the audio quality was nowhere near what it is today. Now, that being said, I want you to stick around only because we still get emails to this day from listeners of the podcast, new listeners just like yourself, who have said that these early episodes were some of the most instrumental for them to understand photography and certain concepts that they had been trying to learn for a long time. These first few episodes really made things click for them so that they could understand photography better. So again, I really want to encourage you to stick around and at least listen to the end of this episode. Now, I thought that I would do something a little bit different for this episode because, uh, well, it is it is so old. I thought that there's a few things that we did in these early days that just didn't make any sense and they required a little bit more context. So I'm actually going to stick with you while we listen into this episode and I'm going to, you know, put in some pauses every once in a while and I'm going to explain some things so that you can fully understand uh, better and uh, get some additional support and information based off, you know, these decisions that we made all the way back in uh, early 2016. So with that, let's just go ahead and get back on into the very first episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast. All right, so we're going to get started. Callum, why don't, since this is our first episode, you talk a little bit about yourself, where you got started and... um where you are now. Yeah. So, um, as I said, I'm based in Toronto. Um, I didn't come up through high school and into uh, fine art school. I actually fell into, uh, what I do now, which is wedding photography through a whole bunch of different career paths. Um, but I got started because my uncle back in England was a wedding and kind of commercial photographer. Um, and he always pushed me at a young age to kind of use my creative elements um, and my direction to just explore the world. Um, and after backpacking Europe with my now fiance, um, sh- we realized, yeah, almost next year. Um, we re- I realized that, you know, capturing people's emotions, telling their stories is really actually a lot of fun. And it, I wake up every day energized, um, as long as I get some coffee, but, um, I was also working uh, a career job, which was kind of corporate. Um, and so only in, it's only been the last year and a bit where I've flipped um, and I make 100% of my income now on being a wedding photographer. Um, and, that, and that's where I am. That's today, current day status. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, you and I kind of have a similar story. And I think that it's going to relate to a lot of people because – there's a lot of people who do want to get into photography, who they do want to do wedding photography or commercial photography or whatever it is, but they do it on the side because they do have a full-time job. And that's awesome. You know, totally. I think that photography is definitely one of those careers to where if you know what you're doing and you're good at it, but you also love the stability of a full-time job, you can definitely do it on the side and make a good amount of money and uh, definitely satisfy that creative wishbone that you got inside of you. Totally. Which is definitely why I got into it, which it sounds like is the reason why you got into it as well. Yeah, I did it on the side for two two years. Yeah. Before that, jumping. 
that's actually really quick. That's a pretty quick jump from from um, starting out, deciding that you're going to be a wedding photographer and actually doing it. Because two years, I mean, if if you're booking weddings a year in advance, that's still a really good turnaround time. Yeah, you, it, challenging, I'm sure. Uh, my fiance doesn't like me staying up at night working, but, um, <laughs> you know, it. when I'm up at 6.30 in the morning, um, or seven thirty in the morning, some days, and and then I'm working till eleven o'clock at night, and I feel energized still. It's I can tell this is my this is what I want to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's so many people who like work at that corporate job who they feel that whenever they're editing or they're working. But it's also important to know that for some people, it's not for them. You know, I mean, you may feel very energized when you start editing and you start you know going out and shooting, but maybe full time, you know, it just not as stable as some people uh, need. need in their life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe it's not the right move for them. And hopefully this podcast uh, is going to help show people whether or not they should make the jump to full-time or if they should just stay a weekend warrior and just, you know, kill it with, with two jobs. So uh, Raymond here, jumping right back in. We really did spend quite a bit of time, now that I'm listening back to this episode, talking about the the business side of things. And I think it'd be really easy to assume that this entire podcast is based on, uh, you know, around photography business, starting one. Uh, when in reality, if you listen to some of the most recent episodes of the podcast, uh, we really do focus more on the, cre- the, the creative side of photography, right? Learning how to get the most out of your camera, uh, the gear that you got, right? Rather Rather than buying new gear, uh, you know, starting a business, that whole side hustle thing, uh, I think that it's important for a lot of people, but we are not that resource. We are going to help you figure out how to use your camera so that you can take better photos today. So uh, this part about business, uh, let's go ahead and get back into it because if that's something that you're interested in, then uh, then then we definitely spend some time talking about it before we move on to the next uh, segment. Yeah, and this podcast might also be just where people who have no interest in being professionals just want to become better mm-hmm. in their day-to-day photography, capturing their families and their kids, uncles, aunts, parents, anyone. Um, or they just want to get better at street photography. I don't know. Yeah. That's where you, the audience, help dictate content for the show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many different ranges of photography that, uh, uh, you know, there's so many ways to go. You can go any way you want to. And if you just want to take better pictures of your kids, if you just want to, uh, you know, learn more technical details, then then this will be it. This will be uh, where you're going to come and, and learn as much as you can. Yeah, we're going to really try to break down kind of really simple things that can really change your photography overnight. Um, you know, and as long as you practice. Um, we see this all the time. I learned it in the last five years and we're going to show you in a little bit, really bad photos from years ago. And I mean, bad. I mean, if this was okay, this is where it was. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited to see your photos. I'm really excited to see your photos because you, everything that you show me is just phenomenal and, and way better than whatever I put out. So seeing your photos is just going to be so awesome to me. Yeah, I can't it, wait. It's bad. Um, That's awesome. Do you, want, do you want to talk a little bit more, Raymond, about how you kind of have walked into the industry? Yeah, it's been kind of a long road. But I've always kind of had this idea that uh, in high school, I kind of got a free pass. Because all of my teachers said that if I made little videos, instead of writing essays, then they would they would give me credit on that. They would grade that instead of obviously writing. 
I'm terrible at writing. If you read any of my blog posts, they're done by my wife. So don't think that that is, that is me. So I immediately took them up on that offer and I started making little videos. I fell in love with it. And then of course, you know, everybody loves movies. And I had this idea that if I wanted to keep making videos, this was back in 2005, that I had to go to film school. I had to learn my craft. I had to, you know, move my way up through the ranks, start as a grip, you know, camera AC, uh, you know, first assistant. And then maybe one day I'd be a cinematographer, which is uh, who is in charge of all the lighting and camera direction for movies. Okay. Noodle. Sorry, that was my son. He loves this noodle. Go. Go catch. Just uh, Raymond here again, just as another update. Uh, in the future, I do get an office <laughs> where we start hosting the podcast from. So uh, there's going to be a lot less annoying interruptions uh, from uh, my son, as cute as they are. Or maybe this is an annoying interruption. Well, with that, let's just go ahead and get back on into this. Uh, so I went to film school. I uh, grew up in California, went to film school in L.A. because that's what everybody does, apparently. And I immediately found out that that is not the career path that I wanted to follow. As much fun as it is being on set and all the fun people that there are, it's probably one of, I would say, the coolest place on earth is being on a film set. However, the job itself is not as creative as you hoped that it would be. Because in high school, it was all you you were the one making these decisions of, uh, you know, where people would stand, where you would be, what, you know, camera angle you would use. All of this was completely up to you. But now when you're on a film set, you have to answer to a lot of people. And not only do you have to answer to a lot of people, you have to get it right. So whatever they tell you, like, you know, maybe this is a better idea. Now you have to go with that. And then you have to make it look perfect, even if you don't like it. And that kind of turned me off a lot. So uh, right when I graduated, at the time, I thought that it was a huge disaster, but now looking back, it was, uh, was actually probably one of the best things that could have happened to me. The Actors Guild, or was it the, no, it was the Writers Guild at first, they all went on strike. So I don't know if you remember this, but back in like 2007, like all TV shows, like late night TV shows, there were no writers on these things, like Leno and Conan and um, um Letterman at the time, they were all doing these late night shows without any writers. So they would just come out and they would just kind of free ball it and it just sucked. So because nothing was being written, nothing was being produced. And because nothing was being produced, nobody was working. So there were people who had been in the industry for 10 plus years who were working for just pennies of what they were making the year before because they just needed some sort of work to supplement their income. Right. Well, few months later the uh the writers you know figured out the strike ended and everybody thought Woo-hoo, there's going to be plenty of work right well right at the same time the actors went on strike <laughs> so then course. we went through the whole thing all over again because now at the time netflix was starting to take off lots of digital downloads were starting to take off so they wanted a piece of that money because i guess they weren't getting paid for royalties or whatever um, for any sort of digital download. And they thought, hey, that's that's kind of messed up. We want a piece of this action. So once again, nobody was working. And living like in LA, the rent, my rent was $2,250 a month and I was making $0. I was making zero. So I had to do something to supplement my income. Of course. And uh, I had a little Nikon uh, XT. It's oh, 8 yeah. megapixels. Yeah, yeah. Base like beginner camera. I think that there was only like two digital cameras before that with interchangeable lenses. Uh, so I picked this thing up, a few hundred bucks, 
because I thought, you know what, it's still, it's still the basics of cinematography. It's um, aperture, it's ISO, and um, shutter speed, you know. Then you can adjust, obviously, focal lengths, and you can kind of play around. So I thought this would be a great way to just keep my skills sharp. So that's what I did. And then I ended up, um, you know, taking it to parties, taking it to uh, events. There's always something going on in LA. I'd be photographing all the time. And then I was kind of seen as like, oh, he's the guy with the camera. People started, you know, booking me on camera assistant gigs for like toy shoots and stuff like that. And that was all pretty boring as well. But I moved back to Northern California uh, where I grew up. And uh, in Napa, where I grew up, there's a huge market for destination weddings because obviously vineyards, it's very beautiful. People just kind of go out there naturally. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I I second shot for, well, actually, it was just assisting. It wasn't second shooting. Although I did take some pictures and I shouldn't have done it in retrospect. Uh, I was not ready for it, but I did it anyway. I'm sorry. Airplane, good job on the TV. Sorry about that. He loves airplanes. He's almost three. So you can imagine airplanes and trains. So uh, anyway, so I followed this photographer and, um, you know, he charged something like $8,000 a wedding is like where he started off at. And wow. I mean, his work was just absolutely amazing, this guy. And, but you could see immediately all the competition, all of it, because everybody was coming to the exact same place. And right then is like when the 5D Mark II came out. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep. Everybody, everybody bought a 5D Mark II. And immediately wedding prices went like plummeted because now everybody had a full frame camera and they thought that they were a photographer and they might have had like great skills and they might have had good technical knowledge, but they just weren't ready for weddings, but they thought that they were. So they would market themselves as a wedding photographer. And because of that, his work went down immensely. Right. Yeah. And I decided at the same time, uh, my wife and I, we decided that we were going to move out to Indiana. For one, the market in Napa was pretty saturated. Now, obviously with the 5D Mark II, we eventually wanted to raise a kid, which now we have, and we didn't want to raise him in LA. And she grew up here in Indiana. Cool. So we moved out here. I created a website no bookings came. <laughs> I learned how to market myself. And, um, you know, a lot of the tips and tricks that we're going to talk about on this podcast is what I implemented into my business, which eventually led me to quitting my full-time job, desk job, and becoming a full-time wedding photographer as well. So I've been doing this full-time now since May. Not very long. I know. I'm not a pro. I'm not, I'm not a seasoned pro. But again, I've been I have all the technical knowledge that I've been doing since 2007. I've been in the game and finally making the decision to leave my full-time job was the best for our family. So, so here we go. Hey, Raymond here back again. And I just have a, uh, you know, it's funny again, watching this back uh, or listening to this back rather. Uh, this was in the very early stages uh, of my business when I had just went full-time. I'd been shooting here in Indiana for a few years, but I'd finally taken the leap to go full-time. Um, and I'll be honest, like at the time I was really scared to go 
full time. You know, there's a lot of, um, you know, unknowns that start to creep in and you start to doubt yourself at times when things don't work out because you're just working by yourself and, you know, you don't really have anybody to bounce ideas off of. But uh, after starting this podcast, one thing that I found that I hope that you will find as well is that uh, when we start getting into interviews, you know, I started asking questions that, uh, you know, were about a photography business or like how uh, guests would go about doing certain things. And that information went on to help me to become a more confident and by all accounts, a more successful wedding photographer now that I've been doing this for more than 10 years. Um, and I think that it's important to remember that going forward, and I think, you know, this should go without saying, but there's a lot of different opinions out there on how to do something. And everybody has their own opinion. And those opinions that they have are based on what has worked for them. Now, just because something works for them doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work for you. So I don't ever want you to listen to this podcast and think this is how it has to be done because that's just simply not the case. If somebody shares some information, myself included, about how something worked, that's how it worked for me, that's how that worked for the guest, that doesn't always mean that it will work for you. But the goal of this podcast is to give you the information that you need so that you can pick and choose what is important to you, what feels right to you. Um, and your style of photography or your genre of photography, and then start to move forward with that and then grow with that information. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, it is surreal to to listen back to this and think about how long I've been doing this podcast and, you know, how many amazing guests we've had on this podcast and uh, and how far it, com- it has come. Um, and seeing my little, you know, baby face Raymond here <laughs> in my in my kitchen from, geez, three houses ago and uh, just see how far my life has come uh, just because of this podcast and using the information that I've learned uh, from it. So I, I can only hope that uh, that you too find find information through this podcast that helps you uh, grow as a photographer. Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, you know, in a more abbreviated... I'm sorry, baby. I just splashed coffee all in my face. Okay. Technical difficulties, people. That went up my nose. As this podcast go on, this will happen. And we're not going to edit it out, I don't think. Or we might. I don't know. No. I hope somebody on the internet makes it a GIF. Ah, see, that's the... There we go. You're done for now. Yeah, right. Just in case you were wondering, it was not made into a GIF because Google did not record that half of my face. So, sad day. (laughs) That's very similar because I... Like, when I started in 2010... um, and by started, I mean started taking pictures. Um, it was really, really poor. Um, 
I actually need to set up the pictures here one sec so that when we can don't put me on screen yet or if I'm, it's too late <laughs> it's too late we're watching you oh are you I'm sticking <laughs> yeah no um yeah I, I know what you mean we all start off somewhere weak you know, um, it's easy to go on the internet and see all the pros, and especially with Flickr, because Flickr had that cool, I don't really use it that much anymore. I would assume that they have the same thing, but where you can see the cameras that they use, the gear that they used, and then all their XF data. Is that how you yeah, pronounce yeah. it? Yeah, you can upload that. Yeah, and you can see all that, and then you assume, if I just copy his shutter speed, ISO, focal length, then I can get the exact same photo. Not the case. It's never the case. Never the case. It doesn't, it's not even the camera itself, really. I mean, to an extent, yes and no. Um, that's a conversation that's just a constant swirling. Yeah. But, it's never going to end, like you said. But I've taken great pictures on a, a D100. And if anyone is has been around long enough to remember the D100, that thing was massive. It was eight megapixels. Uh, I think it took like two gig CF cards. Yeah. Max. <laughs> Max. It was, by today's standards, abysmal, but a fine camera to take shots and to learn. And I carried that around everywhere um, while I was in school, going to friends' parties, very similar to you, taking shots. Um, and it was bad. You have this really great vision what you want in your shot but you just never get it right you can't copy someone's settings and then just pull it off you have to you have to develop your own your own style and eye and and understand it takes time it's it's such a it's such a an art in a long process to pull out it's a very long process yeah absolutely that you know that's another thing that a lot of people who just pick up a camera think is so easy because suddenly just the image quality compared to the photos that they were taking with their iPhone is so much better so much. that they feel like, oh, I'm done. I figured it out. You know, this is all that it requires is, is, you know, this camera. But it's until you really start using that new camera that you have that you can really start learning and really learn its limitations. I think that's a big thing. You figure out whatever your camera's limitations are and then you play to those. Exactly. There is, I go on Instagram today and I see people who shoot only on their iPhone. And it's actually funny. I was in Switzerland for a wedding in June. We were coming back through Geneva. And Geneva's airport had this huge wall display for the new iPhone. Um, or the iPhone 6, I think. There was still a banner up there. And it was this iPhone photo. And it was a huge print. And it was massive. And the light was gorgeous. It was in the Arctic somewhere. Um, and you're like, Wow. As I'm not a landscape photographer, and I would, I think I would struggle to get something close to that quality. And this person, who's probably a very good landscape photographer, went out there with her iPhone and shot this photo, and I was just blown away. And I thought, that's where our technology is now, right? Like we're getting yeah. that close to, to just kind of being lost in a fog of awesomeness in your pocket. Yeah, you know, it, it's no longer the same argument that it was at least when I first started of. Canon or Nikon or, you know, what is better? Now it's, it's, it's becoming an argument of, it's not even an argument. It's just like, what are you using? That's all that it is. You know, I actually just downgraded technically in a lot of people's eyes from my full frame Canon 5D Mark III's to a Fuji X-T1, which has a crop sensor. 
and some people would go, you went from full frame to a crop, like that doesn't make any sense. But at the end of the day, it's, it all depends on how you got your shot and what it means. Yeah. What the yeah, emotion absolutely. is. I, I'm, I'm using four-year-old bodies, like D800s. Like there's new ones out there and then there's, you know, there's also way better ones out there. But this, you know, it's just, it's, I get my it's shot. Hard. I know exactly what it does. I don't need to worry about it. And I think we're going to talk about that a bit later about how you shouldn't worry too much about your technical. Um, and we'll, but we'll talk about that kind of after we share some really, really bad photos. Yeah. Well, um, are you ready to share your bad photo now? Uh, let me see where my photos are here. Uh, yeah, I think so. So in this part of the podcast, uh, we have thought, you know what, maybe this podcast will live on YouTube um, or something like that, where people will will come and watch it. There'll be more of a visual element, right? Otherwise, how could you possibly learn photography just through uh, audio? So uh, we, we decided to share some photos here of ours, early days, uh, you know, from, from, from shooting. And... Well, you can't really see the photos because you're not watching a video right now. The The majority of people are listening. I'm assuming that that's you right now. So if you want to see the photos that we are about to show, then just head over to the show notes of this episode, which is you can find by just going to beginnerphotopod.com forward slash zero zero one. Again, that is beginnerphotopod.com forward slash zero zero one to see the photos uh, that we are sharing. All right. Should I go first? Am I the very first? Yes, yes you are. Right, let me, let me, we're new to Google Hangouts people. So you will have to be patient. Um, so here is my, so, okay. So here's one. This was a long time ago now. Actually, I had to pull this off my Facebook because I couldn't find this photo in my hard drives. It's that old. Um, so this is PEI. This is an okay photo, and I think this one's fine to share to start. You can still see me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's cutting back and forth, and I don't know why. I think it's Charlie. So I'm just going to click on you and then hope that stays. Okay, yeah, it's working. Cool. So this is the first one I ever – this is the first one I'm going to share. This is a fine photo, I, I guess, you know, when I was starting. But this is my best friend, Tyler. Super dark. Um, depending on how bright your screen is right now, he's super underexposed. You can see a bridge, but I'm not really sure like what's going on here. <laughs> I'm this assuming a, it's like aperture priority or something. Yeah, I was totally in aperture priority at this point. Um, probably on auto ISO. Mm -hmm. Um, editing, I had no clue what I was doing. I probably didn't, this doesn't even look like I used presets at this point. Cause this was like 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, looking at this photo, I can, I can, I think I can see what you were trying to do with the lines of the bridge, like leading yeah. lines right to his face. Uh, there is that massive spot of just emptiness on the full left side of the screen. Just, yeah, just bad generally, but that's okay. That's, this was how I got to my style today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, okay, so next photo, right? Mm -hmm. So this was the first kind of, couple shoot I did in 20 I think 11 mm -hmm. as well I really don't like this photo <laughs> I'm with the internet only because I think it's important for people who might get discouraged when they see their photos or even if they think their photo is great to know that they can still do better 
Right, right, right. I think I came home from this and I was like, yeah, these are awesome. Yeah, right. People, oh, gonna, <laughs> people will now roll in. No, they won't. Shit. The, the couple here um, loved the photo at the time mm-hmm. with the expectation of what I knew about photography, obviously. Um, and I'm a big proponent of being honest with your couples about things you can and cannot do or, you know, being very honest about your experience. Um, yeah. But anyways, this was a black and white photo. His nose is squished. Her nose is squished. There's this awkward space between their lips. Yeah. His hands are in his pocket. Just looks like she came up and he's like, all right, whatever, we'll kiss. <laughs> yeah. No really good emotion out of it. She's a little happy, but you know, um, also just, I don't know what's up with the background. It must've been some twigs that were all over the place. And they were out of focus, but I mean, like my eye goes right to them, which again, technically is, is exactly what you want. Yeah, I can see the vision. I can see what I wanted to do back then. I yeah. just didn't know how to do it well. Right. Which is cool. That's, that's what being a beginner is all about. Um, and then third photo. This one's a bit smaller. It has a nice watermark that I used to have, um, which is, you know, just like a copyright sign with my name. <laughs> you know, that's how creative I was back then. This one I like to bring up because um, it was probably one of the – I feel uh, it was one of the worst photos I think I've ever taken. Mm, wow, really? Okay, I, I, I can't wait to hear why. Only, this is just, A, it's not so much, it's so different from what I shoot today. But I literally just, and you have to know the backstory why I think this is such a bad photo. We're in this park in the middle of Toronto. Um, and there's like a kind of a garden greenhouse. And this is about October of, I think, maybe late 2011 as well. And the sun was setting. Uh, obviously you can see it on their face. Mm-hmm. And I decided I was going to have the sun hit their face on one side and then completely black them out on the other. Of course. Um, so you've got these hard shadow lines on him, on his left cheek, or his, his right cheek, what we see is the left side. Um, and it's super overblown. I had to bring this down, I think, like three stops or something. Um, so I, I saved a whole bunch of detail, but I had to bring it down. Yeah. Were you still an aperture priority? Oh, definitely. Oh, okay. So it would have been hard for the camera to try to pick a spot to meet her for. Yeah, it would have been, it would have seen the shadows on the faces and gone, well, I could do that. I can look at the highlights and go, "Mm, I could expose for that, which it, it, it kind of didn't, it exposed more, it exposed for the shadows at the time. And I think I probably focused into his chest or something. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know because i didn't really get focusing at all at that point i was like if i just put it on them it should know focus all of them yeah yeah i did the same thing <laughs> and i don't think this picture was anything that was really inspiring you know mm-hmm. there's a tree and a building coming out of his head their smiles are okay i didn't interact with people i just kind of took their photo and then just moved them um and so even when i compare these two this one is i think horrible in the sense that their hands are in their pockets he's right. not got any motion squished faces but at least i had some vision of an emotional moment yeah um but this one's just like okay get together and smile on my face yeah that's one of those it's happy hour i'm hoping that uh, it will do all the work for me every photo that i take is going to just be fantastic type deals There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. 
With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear, like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Exactly. And I mean, I probably could have in aperture priority mode still just turned them with, you know, some backlit sun and did fairly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was a learning curve that I had to come to and cross later in my, my development. Um, so those are the three pictures I've just picked out that just kind of irk me to this day. All right. Um, well, I like them, you know, it, it definitely shows, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely shows a good spot for beginners. It's definitely, I've seen way worse photos. And in fact, I'm going to show you some way worse photos, but there's a bit of a story to it before I show them to you because yours were clearly posed. When I first started off, I didn't pose at all. I didn't do any of that. I thought that, hey, I could just show up and just with my technical knowledge, I can just kill it. I can get every single moment and it's gonna be fantastic. And immediately figured out that that's not how it works and that you do need to learn how to pose. And that is what really separates you from your competition is posing. As much as you know, you like to do it or you don't like to do it, learning some key easy poses is really gonna separate you from 99% of your competition. Oh yeah. But regardless, starting off, like I said, I thought that I could just capture the moment. Okay. Let's do this, Raymond. Okay, so I made this as a collage because I put this photo on my blog because I'm really embarrassed about it. But again, I wanted to show how people can grow. So a little bit of backstory. Again, technical. I was 100% focused on technical knowledge, okay? And this was at the reception right after the couple um, had walked in right after the introduction. And my assumption was if I shot everything, ISO 100, the entire day, they're going to love how beautiful their photos are and how crisp they are, right? Even though I'll still use them like plastic glass, it was like 18 to 55 or whatever it was. Sure. Real quick, if you're listening and you're wondering what does ISO 100 mean, don't worry, we're gonna get to that in the next few episodes. Essentially, ISO is how sensitive your camera sensor is. So the higher the number, the more uh, degraded, I guess, the image is quite a bit. But the lower the number, the crispier and the cleaner that photo is. So knowing that, knowing, hopefully you can use that, knowing that I tried to shoot the entire day with an ISO as low as possible, and you'll hear uh, how that goes wrong real, real fast. If I shot it at ISO 100, they would just be blown away by the image quality. Well, if you've ever shot a reception at ISO 100, you know that it's not possible. Black. It, well, no, no, no. Surprisingly, I wasn't because I was also in aperture priority mode as well. Okay. So it, it kind of worked. And these photos, of course, I boosted. They were much darker, but here they go. So, okay. Did that, uh, that pull up? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I see that. Okay, so this first photo, 
And again, real quick, if you want to see these photos, and I highly encourage you to see kind of the first wedding photos that I had taken, uh, head over to beginnerphotopod.com forward slash zero zero one. That is beginnerphotopod.com forward slash zero zero one to see some of my first wedding images. In the top, or I guess on the on the right side, mm-hmm. this is when they first walked in to the uh, to the reception. And as you can see, everything's blurry. I used my flash to try to stop it, but didn't understand second curtain flash. Right. So every photo that I took with flash was just absolutely unusable. His head, half of it is missing for some reason. She doesn't have a face, even though she was looking in that direction. There's some weird guy with a cup. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. It was. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to get a low angle. Because again, I knew what I wanted. I'm going to get a low angle. I'm going to try to get super wide, which clearly this isn't of everybody in there, like cheering and clapping of them walking in. And then later when I looked back, that's, that's not what I got at all. So back to some more dancing photos. It's just, it's just very amateur, you know, mainly because of the first curtain flash. Second curtain flash really is a necessity, I think, for receptions, if you're getting dancing photos, just to really get the emotion. That bottom one right there, I thought captured the emotion pretty well. But just imagine how much better it would be with that second curtain flash. You know, if it really would have froze her. Still, it's half of a head. You know, I get the motion blur that I wanted, but it's just not there. It's yeah, this is a very popular technique now in wedding photography, especially in the reception once people kick back and start dancing. Um, and it looks like like you're – I'm not going to be very critical of you. Like, I think – the thing is you can see what you're going for. It's so – there's so much emotion there. She's just amped. Right, right, right. Um, you know, and it was just the lack of momentary lack of understanding of mm-hmm. curtain flash sync. Um, yeah. And, and like my flash is going off at full power, full power the entire day because it, I think that it only lasted for about an hour. And like an idiot, I didn't have, uh, you know, um, there we go, a lot of like backup batteries or anything like that. So of course. it was just a mess. You know, looking back, I feel terrible. I do. I really feel terrible because it's like, and I was up front with them. I was, and they ended up, they like they liked the photos. They were happy with what they got, but um, it could have been disastrous. And it's just one of those looking back now that I know there's just so many things that I would have changed. But I guess that happens after even weddings today. I get home and I look at the photos and think, oh, this is such a great photo. Why didn't I just do X? Right. I do that. And I'm sure that you do the same thing. I still, even more so now, I, I will come home from a wedding, you know, and I'll do my editing or even I'll come home from being at the park with my dog. Um, and I'm surprised she didn't jump up and start yelping because I said the words. <laughs> but I will come home and I'll see a, a shot where I thought, oh, if I just went five feet left, you know, and got rid of all of this stuff or whatever it is, you know, or maybe I just changed my angle of my viewpoint, this photo would be 200% better. Yep. You know, and I thought, oh, I had the great vision and anticipation to be there, you know, and I can see where I want it to be. But even now, I'm pushing myself to, to be better than what I was yesterday. And I mean, I, even when I was a beginner, I would take a really horrible photo like we saw. And I think it was good. And then I go, yeah, but it's not as good as like this person I see. Um, and I think it's important to do that, but also to not be too worried about 
Like, I think you should probably look at inspirational photos, you know, oh, yeah. but not also be discouraged by people who have got two, three more years experience of shooting thousands of photos over you. Um, so and that, what you're saying is that even now, as a professional full-time photographer, you still go out and you see photos that you took. Yeah. And you wish that they were better. Absolutely. I think I can do everything better. And I don't think it's, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, no, no, that, that's a great thing. That's what I was pointing out is that even for people who are listening to this podcast who think, oh, once I become a professional, I got it. It's booked. It's sealed. I know everything. And oh, that's yeah, simply no. not the case. There's professionals going into workshops all year round just to learn new techniques or to learn the tiniest bit of, of like, I think even we were talking only like a few weeks ago about like a setting on our cameras and we're like, oh yeah, well, that'll work. Yeah. yeah. That's a much like, what am I doing with this certain <laughs> feature? I don't, I don't recall what it was. It doesn't really matter, but you go, Oh, I've been shooting this way for like four years. That's worked fine. But this makes so much more sense. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of it is coming up with a, with a plan for whatever works better for you. If you oh, yeah. love getting those photos that are posed and beautiful and you tell the couple, you know, move your hand like this and do that and you kill it, then that's awesome. Congratulations. That is so cool. But if you're the type of person who just wants to show up and they don't even want to be known as a photographer, they just want to look like a guest because there are people like this. Like if you look up Kevin Mullins, his work is fantastic. And he shows yes. up, people don't even know that he's the photographer. By the way, we ended up interviewing um, Kevin Mullins in a fantastic interview where he shares a lot about how he does this, how he's able to show up to weddings and be looked at as a guest and shoot weddings in a very documentary style without doing any sort of posing. If you want to check that out, that is episode 154 of the Beginner Photography Podcast. And again, still to this day, it's one of uh, uh, top 10 listener favorites. So do yourself a favor and check out our interview with Kevin Mullins, episode 154. They think that he's a guest and he's just there capturing moments. That's all that he does. He doesn't take any family photos. He, I mean, unless that they're requested or whatever, but he doesn't like, he doesn't do any post photos. He captures the day exactly how it is. He doesn't touch anything. If he was invisible, the day would happen exactly as it does naturally. Right. There again, as we were talking about earlier, if you want to be a commercial photographer, if you want to be a kid's photographer, if you want to be a wedding photographer, like that's all great. But even within those things, you can dive even deeper. Oh, totally. There, the hole is endless in what you can learn. I'm learning stuff every day. I went to, um, if anyone knows who Jonas Peterson is out there, um, really awesome dude. I went to his workshop. He was in Toronto not too long ago. And he's very similar to Mons, and he just kind of doesn't, he, he'll just tell a story. And that's his, his life's work, is telling stories that are just that just fascinate you. And he will, he is very upfront. He just says he doesn't do pose photos unless it's requested. Um, but what he does do is he captures things. That I think a lot of people aren't going to see in that wedding day that you might miss. You might not know about. Um, and he even admits that he's learning new things all the time. You know, he's learning about people all the time and that's his, his life is learning about how people interact with other people. Right. He's almost like, a sociologist with a camera. <laughs> That's an awesome way to look at it. Um, like parts, like part psychologist, part sociologist, and an anthropologist because he's documenting the human civilization, and he's he's going around and just sharing these awesome stories with people. 
Um, and even then, I look at another person, um, you know, Sam Hurd, who's a really creative wedding photographer. He just pushes creative boundaries. He uses things in front of his lens elements all the time, he puts broken glass, metal, uh, prisms, um, all sorts of things. Anything he can find, he puts in front of it probably. And plays <laughs> around for hours, yeah. you know, until he finds something that he likes and then he goes and uses it. And, you know, it's never going to stop. Even as cameras get better, it's never going to stop. You're going to be learning all, all the time. And that'd be one thing I would say to someone even just beginning and their only interest is documenting their family throughout the next, you know, few decades is that, you know, just be happy you're documenting and, and you know, you're, you're going to get better by, by practicing um, and, and reading about how you can get better um, and dedicate the time that you can or you want to it. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big thing for people to realize is that um, practice really does make you better. What's up, dude? <laughs> that's right. Mom's at work. Good job. Yeah, it's really important that practice will make you um, a better photographer. <clears throat> It'll never make you the best photographer. Never go into it expecting that you're going to be the best because kind of like we were saying earlier that there's so many different niches that you can dive into in photography you will always you will always be able to find something that you love to do and people will love it absolutely oh yeah there is niches for everyone you know the people hiring jonas peterson who i just talked about are probably not hiring sam hurd not a knock to either of them right they work in two different spaces in the wedding photography industry and it's it's amazing because you get to see both sides of that world. Yeah, yeah. And when a lot of people say, and I know that I started off this whole, um, my story, my backstory about how much competition there was in like Napa and LA, I really didn't understand that. I just saw the, the number of photographers and thought, oh yeah, no, no, there's no way that I can make it here. But if I, if I knew what I know now, maybe I would have stayed in those areas and tried to create a new um, area of expertise for myself. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, what we should do now is talk about, we wanted to give kind of a tip to um, new photographers, experienced photographers, even anyone who feels like they want to step up their game. Like this is the one thing I think throughout probably my development. Ooh, Raymond, calm down. Sorry. I got a little bit excited right there. I dropped my Hot Wheels car. <laughs> it happens. Say hello to Raymond's kitchen, everybody. Hello. Um, yeah, we want to, we, we kind of discussed this beforehand. We said, you know, what's one thing we think is really important as you develop as a photographer in any genre. Um, and you know, that doesn't take a lot of research into, right. Um, and I think this one, this one really helped me in my development in the last over five years. Uh, Raymond, I think you can attest that it's the same and it's that you really should Go for the moments. Um, don't worry too much about your technical settings all the time. Uh, it is important to learn those things um, and they will help you get better photos in the end. But when you see something like your child doing something hilarious, you'll miss it if you're sitting there wondering which shutter speed you should use. Just go for it. Yeah. Um, another moment's going to come along and you'll, you'll capture it then. You know, if you don't get it that time, if you do get it, great. You've, you've got it. And that's, that's what I think the, that's what 
that's <laughs> I can't even words. Yeah, no, um, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it goes back to our first photos that we were just showing. It shows that we have we have an idea in our head of what we want and still we couldn't get it, right? We we knew exactly what we wanted and we had the technical knowledge. We knew that, okay, you know, I got to use a flash because it's a dark reception or it's it's golden hour. So I want to get some of that like on them. We just didn't use it right. And because of that, maybe we missed out on the moment because we were focusing on those technical details. Absolutely. Maybe Maybe in the beginning that couple was facing their back was facing the sun and it was gorgeous and we just missed it because you thought, Oh, you know what? I'm going to turn them this way because you were worried about those technical details, worrying about those small things like shutter speed and you know, your aperture. Yeah. They're important for how they affect how the photo comes out. But at the end of the day, especially when you're going back and calling through all your photos, if you see a bad photo of like, you know, just terrible light maybe behind somebody or it's fluorescent and it's just not flattering at all and it just doesn't look. But maybe the expression on her face is when she first saw uh, her sister in her uh, uh, gown. Sure. Dress. Gown? Where did I come up with that? In her wedding dress, you know? And then the, the her face is just absolutely beautiful. Maybe she's like tearing up a little bit. Use it. Absolutely use that. Don't think, oh, the fluorescent looks horrible. Even in black and white, it's kind of splotchy. Like, I'm not going to use this. Do whatever you can to save it, but don't not deliver it because of the lighting, maybe. Yeah. Always look for the moment. Whatever makes you, like, maybe smile or feel anything, that's what you're going to that, deliver. That's a great photo. Making you feel is an amazing photo. We don't look back at, you know, photography. You know, we, we can look at very political ones or very artistic ones, and... When you look at an image, you don't go, oh, yeah, one two hundredths of a, of a second shutter speed there. I can see that. Right. Go, oh, wow. Look at the stars in this photograph. Or, oh, wow. Look at the interaction between this puppy and this, this child. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, You're absolutely right. Hey, Raymond here, checking back in. It is so great to hear, you know, in the early days of the podcast, just how much we were focused on moment. Because still to this day, uh, I believe 100% that it is moment that matters most. And if you had two photos, if you have kids, you'll know this, right? You go try to take a photo of them with your quote-unquote real camera. The photo comes out a little bit uh, blurry. You can't really see who they are. But if you look at the settings, the settings look good, so you don't know what the issue was. But uh, you know, if you had a higher ISO that allowed more light into the camera, you know, that photo is going to be blurry, but they're going to be frozen in time. They're going to be sharper because there was more light, which means that then you could have a faster shutter speed freezing that motion. So then the question is, would you rather have a better photo from a technical settings standpoint, even though you can't really see your child? Or would you rather have a photo that has, you know, a high ISO and it's grainy, but you can see your child and it's a good moment? The answer is you're going to pick moment every single time over those perfect camera settings. And that's exactly why I shared the photos earlier from the wedding that I had shot. You know, the camera settings were terrible. And because of that, I missed all of the moments. So still to this day, 
I, in fact, I'm even more of a believer than ever that moment matters most. And I hope that you're going to take that along with you on your journey, that while we are going to teach you the technicals of photography, and those are so important to learn, once you understand those, the way that you get a better photo is not to learn your technical settings even more or to learn them even better. It's focusing on the moment and capturing that moment. You know, it doesn't even have to be relevant to weddings. It, it's so, and it is, but it, you know, it can also be just your living room, your two, two children playing together. You know, it doesn't matter if you can't see at the window because it's so blown out. And what I mean is, you know, it's completely white and you can't see what's going on back there. If you're, if you can tell what your children are doing, playing with each other, you have a, um, a genuine moment there that you're never going to recapture. Uh, it, it's past and that's that's everything that's that's what you that's why i hope you're you're there you're, you're with a camera shooting yeah uh, it's or what you want to document mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but at the same time you know learning about settings is important too but the moment still trumps that. absolutely absolutely it, it's a it's a fantastic piece of advice it is because the technical knowledge it is important and you're gonna get there you are i promise if you really put in work and you are really passionate about this, you're going to get there. You're going to figure out, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I should be at F4 as a, even though I have like a 1.4 lens, maybe I should be using an F4 for this shot. A lot of family photos are like that. People think that the shallower depth of field, the better the photos, but sometimes that's just not the right decision, but you're going to gain that technical knowledge. Absolutely. And growing is what we're all here to do. We want to take better photos. We want to take better photos of our kids. We want to take better photos at weddings. Maybe we want to be a professional photographer. And there's one way to do that. And that's to get better. And <laughs> one way, part two, is to forget about, forget about all the technical details. If you know your camera back and forth, then you can kind of be forgiven when it comes to stuff like that because the moment is really what is important. If, if you could go back, Callum, and change any of those photos, what would you have changed? Any of those? I would have changed the interaction between the people and the, sub, and the subject. Like, so, you know, we saw the one with the really harsh sunlight on their face. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have just had them staring at me. Right, right, um, right. With this kind of, yeah, we're smiling at you because we have to. Um, I really would have tried to enforce some moment, not enforce, that's a really bad word. <laughs> but what I mean is I would have tried to, you know, cultivate a moment between them by saying, you know, I just want you guys to hug and, and embrace each other. You guys are in, you know, love, you know, get together, face each other, just talk. And I'm going to be back here. And I, you guys do whatever you do. You dance, you tickle, fight, you, whatever you do, go ahead and just, just go for it. And I'm going to capture that. I, I would care less than about the harsh sunlight because I would have had something that it was entirely genuine. Because the moment always trumps. Exactly. Same thing with the other ones. I mean, the, the hands in the pockets, I wouldn't even care about if I had maybe set them up to be more genuine. He was kind of there, you know, and maybe I just caught the wrong moment. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe I wasn't a good enough photographer to see a better moment emerging First, that photo you saw of that black and white. Right. I mean, it looked like a very like common beginner photo. So I, I don't think that it was, you know, necessarily you. I think that a lot of people would have made the, yeah, right. Thumbs up. I think that a lot of people would have made the exact same uh, 
photo out of that. But the difference is, is that you saw what you didn't like and you use that knowledge for in the future to take better photos. Exactly, exactly. And that's still today. I take, I, I think great photos. I hope people hire me. I'm telling you, you they're good. Um, but even I come home and I go, okay, that's great. But here's like a touch, something I could change, like maybe three degrees this way, just to avoid this building or this tree or whatever it is. You know what that's called? That's called your brain just being an asshole. That's all that that is. It's it's always trying. Yeah. (laughs) Brains are assholes. That's it. That's it. It always tries to figure out something better. It doesn't want you to take any leaps of faith. It doesn't want you to, you know, do anything crazy. And seeing these photos, that's, that's all that your brain is trying to do. But Callum, yeah. I think that we had a fantastic podcast today. I think that this yeah. is a great inaugural podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't have as many ums. At least I don't think so. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it and see Do if I can. Do you want to now? Do you want to um 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 a couple times? <laughs> um 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 um. Uh, okay, there we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're covered. I think we're covered. Yeah. Well, we want to thank everyone. Yes, absolutely for being here. I think we got a lot of uh, new stuff on the way. Yeah, we have quite a lot of good ideas for podcasts coming up but obviously we want to hear from you people so you can comment um and let us know what you want to hear about if you want to talk about technical settings you want to talk about how you capture moments um we want to hear about it um we want you this week at least to go out and shoot something that you love that your children your dog leaves lakes stars random people do it just go out and have fun because that's going to help you the most just going for moments and enjoying what you do hey raymond here so obviously we just talked about just leaving a comment about uh you know photographing the things that you love and we wanted to hear from you um again we're not really watching these podcasts on youtube even though they are technically available so therefore i just want to let you know that if you do have any questions going forward feel free to shoot us an email at beginner photography podcast at gmail.com again that is beginner photography podcast at gmail.com and i also if you stuck around all the way to the end wanted to share something with you real quick and that is I know that over the next few episodes, we will be talking a lot about camera settings, uh, specifically aperture, ISO, and shutter speed, and how they work in photography, how they can affect an image. But one of the questions that I get asked a lot after those episodes is, okay, so now what do I do with that information? You know, how do I plug these into my camera during certain situations? You know, what camera settings are best to use and when? So I went ahead and created a guide that has now been downloaded more than a thousand times by photographers just like you called Picture Perfect Camera Settings. And in it, I share real world world photos that I've taken um, over the years, some professional, some some personal, um, along with their actual camera settings so that you can see the settings that I use to take those photos. And uh, we also walk through the camera settings for 10 plus types of photography, including family photography, um, you know, photographing young kids indoors, landscapes, astrophotography, and so much more. And I want you to download it for free. So I put it in the show notes of this episode where you can also see our photos that we talked about earlier, see kind of where we came from and some of those beginner pitfalls so that you can avoid those mistakes and be a better photographer for yourself. So if you want to download that free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings, you can 
again, head to the show notes of this episode at beginnerphotopod.com forward slash zero zero one and grab your copy of Picture Perfect Settings. Again, that is beginnerphotopod.com forward slash zero zero one to grab your copy of Picture Perfect Camera Settings. You just enter in your name and your email and I will send it to you right away so that you can start taking better photos today. That is all that this podcast is about, is helping you take better photos through uh, you know, very pragmatic information as well as uh, actionable tips and real world advice given by world-class photographers who we end up interviewing on the podcast. So I hope that you stick around. I hope that you enjoyed this first episode of the podcast. And uh, well, since this is the future and now there's more than 300 episodes of the podcast, you can just head over to episode number two right now and keep learning all about camera settings. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon.